CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Very good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag leadership. Today's topic is a day in the life of a leader. And our guest for today's show is John Walton, who's the CIO uh, with the County of San Mateo, California. Good morning, uh, John. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much for having me on the show today. Great. The honor's all ours. So are you ready for your Christmas shopping? Oh, I'm, I'm all done, actually. Uh, I'm patting myself on the back for actually being ahead of the curve for once. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Now, so we all lead uh, fa- very, very hectic lives, as you all know, and we all practice some routines that help us get through the day. But for the purpose of this topic today, uh, we wanted to look at those who handle themselves and others really well and ask what a leader does each day to make him or herself, himself or herself successful. So, uh, John, the first question is that we as leaders need to, of course, do something new, something different, maybe make a new set of mistakes every day and perhaps expect that we will ourselves grow taller and also we will take everybody else along. Do you think you actually plan or you have to plan as a leader every day or do you think you should improvise and just uh, bank on your core traits, what you were born with or what you nurtured yourself into? Well, for me at least, and you know, I think it's different for everyone, it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. Uh, I've experimented a lot and uh, been inspired a lot by other people in what I consider uh, key later leadership traits. And, and for me, uh, to be successful day-to-day, you know, what I find in my day is I try to have a part of my day to be very structured. There are certain things I, I need to make sure are moving forward or being accomplished. Uh, organizationally, and uh, I try to I try to set aside a portion of my day to focus on those things in a very structured format. Uh, but then I do try to leave a, a large portion of my day unstructured to uh, you know to to reach out to other people, to be open to things that perhaps I hadn't planned for during the day, so that it doesn't upset what I consider to be a, a normal routine or uh, or. or give myself an opportunity to grow and experiment with other things during the day. So I, I try to do a little bit of both day to day, to be to be honest with you. I mean, granted, it's, it's always a balance, so uh, it's never 100% one or 100% the other. But I think I think both things are very important, some structure and some, some openness to or a freestyle to things. Now, as leader, of course, there are a lot of people who must be looking up to you. And we always look at people with awe that how on earth they, they accomplish so many things uh, on a regular basis, maybe on a daily basis or over a short period of time. Do you think that requires us to think uh, any differently or it is just some people get lucky with the way things come their way? What's that secret sauce which makes you what you are and other leaders who are successful in what they do, what they, you know, whatever they do on a given basis, given day. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, for me at least, uh, and what I see in others, it's a couple different things. One is, um, you know, I think people like to see tangible results. I think uh, a lot of us sometimes um, 
don't anticipate how much it means to the people we work with that they actually see uh, things happen, even in small increments. People like closure and people like to see uh, things things move forward. And uh, sometimes we create goals for ourselves as individuals or organizations that are so large and so lofty and it takes so long to reach them uh, people can get frustrated with a leader or with an organization that we're not making progress, that we're not accomplishing things fast enough. And even though we we agree on, on the bigger picture and on the, the master plan, I think it's important to break things down into, into steps where people can see progress along the way and really see uh, see that we're taking steps and, and, and making incremental progress. And then along with that, along with this uh, what I would call leadership journey, um, you know, to to accomplish things as an individual or to lead an organization, you know, it really does always go back to that human element for me of uh, the personal relationships to making connections with people. And, uh, you know, the thing I, I probably failed at early in my career that I've had to really focus on and, and take into account as I worked with what I consider some really inspirational leaders over the years, I noticed how much time they spent going out and, you know, uh, spending time with the people that worked for them and then spending time um, external to the organization with their customers or with people outside the organization altogether and building those relationships, not just from a purely um, relationship building standpoint, but it gave them a different perspective. It let them really see from an external viewpoint all the different facets of the organization and what the organization as a whole was trying to accomplish and how they fit into that. So I think that that relationship building, the communication skills, and the breaking things into small steps that people can relate to and feel feel like they're making progress towards a larger goal is, is very important to an organization because it, it really inspires people to want to work, um, work together and work with the leaders to, to make progress. Now, a number of things that you mentioned in here would very well also apply to a manager. So if we are trying to uh, work as leaders, but somehow uh, subconsciously we start thinking like a manager, that's basically undermining a leader's role, where we are trying to structure way too many things and try to go way towards the plan because we have got people for that. If we are also, you know, getting sucked into that management or our taskmaster's mentality, then it's going to undermine what a leader could have otherwise accomplished. It is a change. And you know, with some of the people that report to me as I, as I coach them and as I mentor them, one of the things I have to remind them is a lot of us in the technology field uh, you know, came up through the ranks, and our initial uh, successes were based on what we did personally, you know, day to day. And so it was the tasks we did. And then later on, uh, the next step in our career is we became supervisors or managers where our, our jobs were really focused on managing other people's work and really focusing on, you know, did you create so many widgets? Did you show up on time? And, and really focused on the day-to-day management of the people and the projects and their tasks. But it's definitely a change, I think, when you move into a leadership role. And uh, for many of us, it's, it's a, a really transformative experience because you have to go from, I think, the the day-to-day incremental management of people and things into becoming an inspirational leader that people want to follow instead of always driving them. Um, you know, maybe some of us, uh, you know, those were some of the things we were known for in our careers coming up to the ranks was driving people or projects to completion. 
Um, but I think to be a successful leader, you have to inspire people to want to follow you because that's the only way you can be successful. I don't think any leader could split their time into enough small pieces to spend you know five minutes with every person or on every project trying to personally through their own personal willpower drive it forward. You have to get people that uh, that want to follow and uh, be inspired and be part of a team to to make that accomplishment. So it, it's it's good if people recognize that. I think, and can uh, can relate to that and, and focus on developing that aspect of their skills as they become leaders. Now, you and I are uh, leaders of our respective organizations. We could be feeling that, yes, we are inspiring our team to do bigger, better things so that we all move forward. But that could be far away from the truth. Maybe sometimes we might be coming close, but in many cases, it is just us who is trying to validate our own actions. Is that really a good idea? Well, I think you have to be honest with yourself. Um, you know, it's uh, I was I was having dinner with a with a fellow uh, department head the other night, and we were talking about that. And sometimes we said, you know, it feels like that show Undercover Boss, where you're trying to really find out <laughs> if if you're kidding yourself about uh, what, how good of a leader you are, if you're inspiring the organization, or if you're inspiring your department, versus. Um, you know, if you're just telling yourself that, because that's what you what want. Would to science, what would be the science? What would be the Because people may not say outright to you that you know we we do not really come up to their expectations, or we don't uh, do things which are in the best interest because they may be concerned about their job, or maybe they would be concerned about being politically correct. Whereas we are trying to say, guys, come and tell us straight out what we may be doing wrong, which may be undermining the potential of our whole organization and individual people. What, what would we? What, what? How would we go about finding that out? Undercover Boss is great as a as a show. I've watched it a number of times, but that's quite interesting for somebody to work with large organizations. But there are many other organizations where you cannot hide as the leader, and cannot use those tactics to find out whether you're truly inspiring someone or not. Well, I think I think you're right. There's a couple things that I look for as signs that uh, that you're, you're being a true leader, that I'm being a true leader in an organization. One is. Um, people's willingness to be honest with me at every level of the organization. Uh, to your point, um, in, in a truly open, collaborative organization, the type of organizations I like to, to work in, um, people aren't afraid at any level of the organizations to say, I don't understand, or I'm confused, or this really frustrates me, or I don't see why we're doing this. And uh, we have a number of forums we've created in the department. We use, you know, online tools uh, to try to create these communities where people can talk about things. Uh, we have face-to-face meetings and group settings at, at very different levels of the organization where we try to mix up groups and different levels of leadership and try to really encourage people to say, look, you know, this in this forum, you know, that uh, you don't need to be afraid of the repercussions. This isn't a performance issue. This isn't a, uh, you know, a, a project management uh, meeting. This is, you know, for us to really talk honestly with each other with our badges of rank off about uh, what's working well and what's not working well. And then I think from a leadership standpoint, you have to not be defensive about that. When people then give you feedback, when you finally get to the point where people are willing to really give you honest feedback about, hey, this is working you know, this isn't working or we think you're crazy or this doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't make sense to us, what you're saying as a leader or where you're trying to take us, I think you have to take that in and think about that and, and truly ask yourself, 
Um, are you not doing a good job communicating? Or perhaps you have missed the mark. You know, part of, I think, a strong leader is willing to admit that uh, maybe, you know, half of our ideas um, seem like good ideas until we really test them in the real world. And then we need to refine them or, or change them or admit we were wrong in those ideas. And so creating that, that honest uh, dialogue between staff, it takes a long time. Um, in an organization to get people to feel open about that. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at the aspect where we have to find time for growth for ourselves. While I know I wrote a tweet some time back, a leader should be spending 80% of the time developing others and then 20% of the time, or maybe 20% of the time developing others and 80% of the time uh, removing the roadblocks for, for others. And so basically a leader is all about someone else. At the same time, it looks like if somebody doesn't invest in their own growth, then they're only giving the best they could at any given time. So they have to continually evolve and grow. So what does a, what does a leader do to grow themselves? So we will have to explore that when we come back. Please stay tuned. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So as uh, I just put the foundation there where leader, of course, is existing to help others, but there has to be some portion where we find time for ourselves, resources for ourselves, for growth, so that we bring the new, the renewed ourselves, the grown ourselves to the rest of the organization and team and people around us. So what is it that we do? Should we get some thinking time on our recliner? Should we go out and talk to other people who we feel who are better than us? What is it that should be done and what do you do? Well, for me, um, you know, time to just think. I, I, I tend to be a reflective person and uh, sometimes I get so wrapped up in the tasks. Um, I, I, like many people, I have a long to-do list, uh, lots of meetings. I've gone from having one-hour meetings to 30-minute meetings to try to pack in more meetings in my day. Um, and so I have to remind myself to actually set aside time to, um, to try to put things in context, to try to, to really think through and step back. Um, along with that, um, I think two other things. One is I really look for um, mentors, for people who inspire me. And, and for me, at this point in my career, I really look for non-technologists because um, what I find is in the technology field, I become very, um, 
you know, I tend to relate to people who already think like I think or who have styles like I think. And so by looking for mentors, leader mentors um, outside my, my field of uh, historic expertise, it causes me to really um, look at leadership in a different light about what does it mean to just be a leader, period, irrespective of um, what, the, what the industry is or what the technology is. Then the the last thing I, I just have to go back to and say that I really find inspirational to me as a leader is is getting to know the public. Um, you know, so many times uh, for me as a public sector CIO, uh, just spending time with the public and going out and seeing what we do in government, um, how it affects the lives of the people we serve, and then being able to come back and reflect on that and, and really be honest with myself is what I'm doing in my role as a CIO leader in government, um, actually making an impact on their lives. And, and how can I do that to either better support the departments I support or provide more direct services to the public? Um, that's very inspirational for me. So one is to you going out and meeting others and trying to kind of do justice to your role. But as yourself, when we suggest to others how do they grow is to go out and reflect on what all they are learning something new. Do you feel there is better? Uh, it is better to go out and always help others and feel satisfied that, yes, I was able to help some other people based on my own experience or always try to make ourselves more uncomfortable, not comfortable, uncomfortable by getting into or chartering new territories, something totally unfamiliar, and then try to see how much are we able to conquer so that it, it renews us, renews our spirit, and bring that uh, sense of being able to handle uncertainty or handling something which is unknown gives us more confidence, and that's what grows us as a leader. I think we constantly have to challenge ourselves, and I think that's, that's for me, part of the journey. Um, I like to feel, you know, as any human being would, satisfied that I've done a good job. But at the same time, I don't think we can, um, I think part of our leadership role in any organization is uh, to challenge ourselves, to do more, to do better, to think about things differently. Um, you know, when the economy here in the Bay Area was going through some some downturns, I used to go to conferences and I would be sitting with uh, fellow leaders or fellow CIOs and everyone would be talking about how bad it was and how tough their job was as a leader and, you know, they had less money than they had the year before. And I was really uh, pretty dismayed by that because if you go out and uh, and you talk to the people, in the community, you know, we have millions of dollars that are disposable at leaders uh, as different CIO leaders, and perhaps percentage-wise, we might have less money year to year. But when you think about the challenge we're faced with, how to best spend hundreds of or thousands of hours of staff resources and millions of dollars of revenue to uh, provide services, I think that's where we have to be hard on ourselves as leaders and tell ourselves, you know, um, you know, we still should challenge ourselves to do more and to do better with whatever resources we have. And I think we can only, I think we can only inspire ourselves by doing that. I think if we internalize and, and focus inwardly all the time, um, and focus on the negative in our organizations and ourselves, I don't think it's ever going to force us to try to become better. What do you do when you are uh, going to be facing some things which you are not comfortable with? Do you take it head on or do you seek somebody's help? And what does that do to your 
ability to feel good about yourself? Well, and perhaps this is, uh, we're on CIO Talk Radio, so I uh, perhaps this is a, a function of the growth of how technology needs to change. You know, I think one of the worst things we ever invented sometimes was email. <laughs> I think, <laughs> okay. I think email uh, single-handedly uh, caused more, uh, you know, interpersonal issues and, and leadership problems than it solved. Um, you know, I think, like many technologists, I had at one point in my career an over-reliance on memos and emails to try to solve complex problems. Um, part of my, my leadership journey and in becoming inspired by things is I didn't like interpersonal, what I considered conflict. Um, so I didn't like to take things head on. I didn't like to address things up front with people face to face because it made me very uncomfortable. Uh, and that's one of the things I had to change uh, as a leader. Um, I had to uh, learn that if, if you know I was faced with a challenge or a situation that needed to be addressed, uh, one of the things I learned from my mentors was to take a very professional, uh, personal approach to it and, and go talk to people in person and to try to work out these things as soon as it became a problem. Don't let it, don't let it just ride for a long time and become worse and worse and worse. Don't try to address it through, you know, some uh, antiseptic type memo or through an email that didn't really convey the emotions or maybe the complexities of the issues behind it. And so I, I would say that's one of the things that I really try to focus on now is it's still part of me in the core of it still doesn't enjoy that um, that those type of negative situations where you have to take things on from even an organizational or an interpersonal standpoint where you have to address it. But I think it's a very important part of being a leader is uh, being able to have those face-to-face -face conversations uh, with, you know, one or more people in an organization to, to address those things. So how do you psych yourself to be able to handle them and start becoming more comfortable? You on air, I, I, I commend you for being very honest and uh, agree that that's not the easiest. And frankly, that's not the easiest for anyone to handle where you have to confront someone in person. So what do you do and what is, how do you psych yourself to feel comfortable in taking those situations? Because they're going to come regardless. Oh, they will. They will. One is to... Um... You know, again, the mentors, I, again, I look for mentors now that I admire how they communicate. I admire how they take things head on. Um, I, I report to a gentleman now who I find to be very, a very good communicator and very straightforward. And uh, I really learn a lot from him every day. Uh, John Maltby, I think he's a, a great leader and a great communicator. And so I think you have to, to look to people and try to emulate that behavior that you admire and others that you find effective. Part of it is just practice, too. Um, even when I, 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 I try not to wait uh, to challenge myself to have better interpersonal communication skills, because I think this is part of the problem. It, it, it's sort of like public speaking. Um, I try to set a personal goal for myself. For example, I used to not enjoy public speaking at conferences and large groups of people. And then I, I realized at some point I needed to develop that part of myself, so I started just pushing myself out there. Um, did it for a while, and then I stopped. I, I sort of got fatigued by it, and, uh, and I became rusty at it. And now I have to counsel myself. I need to go out and speak in a public forum at least once a month, and my goal is twice a month to go out and speak. And, and similar to that, interpersonal skills become rusty. And so I think if you wait, uh, my point is if you wait until there is a critical issue, 
that um, you have to talk to someone about, and you haven't worked your way into the habit of going out and having lunches with people, coffee with people. Uh, I go for, uh, we have a walking club where I go walk with some of the other department heads every day. Um, if you're not practiced at um, having somewhat hard conversations on a daily basis, then when those hard times come, it's just going to be a thousand times harder to actually do that face-to-face meeting. Now, one thing which people say, it's a conventional wisdom, that in order to uh, get ahead, we need to get along. Now, that is, sometimes it's seen as correct, but would that not be a predicament for a leader? Because leader also has a responsibility to do the right things for the right reasons, and not every time everyone who is involved may be on the same page or would like to agree to what you're trying to do. So you may not be able to get along with that individual or that group, and so what do, you, what, do, what do you do? What's that? Is this a conventional wisdom? Is there truly something that a leader should utilize or it should keep, be kept on the side and we, also, we always should be charging ahead no matter what? Well, I think there's a, a big difference between getting along and everyone agreeing. Um, I think uh, one of the challenges of leaders to create an organization, internal to your organization or even external with your, with your partner organizations, about um, a shared vision and what we're trying to go, and, and that feeling, a sense, an interpersonal sense that, um, you know, we have some hard business decisions to make. Uh, sometimes we're going to feel good about them. Sometimes we're going to be upset or frustrated by them. But we do all need to get along in the sense that um, we can't uh, allow negative feelings or interpersonal conflicts to so um, color the day-to-day uh, feeling of coming to work that we don't want to come to work or we don't want to talk to each other or meet with each other because uh, that's just going to create a, a hostile, unfriendly workplace that we don't want to work in over time. Uh, however, along with that, you know, um, there's going to be times where we agree. There's there's a lot of hard decisions to make. Uh, when I came here to San Mateo County, we were $1.4 million in the red. Um, for our department, and we had to make a lot of hard decisions. I have a lot of heart-to-heart discussions about how we were going to save money and where we were going to reduce costs. At the same time, we had a lot of old systems, so when we were cutting in some areas, we were having to invest in some new systems. And so I can honestly say not everyone agreed with the plan we came up with, but by creating an organization that we tried to be very transparent and very open and take input but then be very clear about We're out of time. We need to make a decision by this date. And, you know, we've collected all your input. We've created this open forum. Now we're going to make these decisions and allow people to go through. Some people celebrated the decision-making process and were happy. And then work with the people that were upset and unhappy um, and work through sort of that grieving process with them about they felt that the decision was made was negative or bad, um, but really try to keep that uh, atmosphere of open communication after a decision-making fact and keep people engaged, I, I think it makes a better organization. So I would agree. I think it's important for everyone to get along, but I think you also have to be honest that getting along means sometimes you're not going to get along, and you have to work through that because there are hard decisions you make and not everyone's going to agree. Let's take a quick listeners. We'll be right back. And then let's look at the obstacles uh, which could stall a leader's growth. And, of course, everyone wants to do a great job. But then, uh, as John mentioned, uh, there could be a fatigue factor. But could that lead you to become complacent? One is to look at the obstacles which you try to remove to all which, which could be stifling your growth. But at the same time, you'll say, okay, I'll take, I'll take a stop. 
uh, I need some rest. So what should they do to not become complacent at the same time, not let any obstacles stop them from becoming the best leader they can be? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. Listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll free at 1 866 472 5790. That number again is 1 866 472 5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So let's inventory. What kind of obstacles could typically stall a leader's growth? Let that be the first one, and then we'll talk about the the complacency issue. If at all, you start feeling the fatigue by always removing obstacles and always trying to grow and to the, your maximum potential. Well, for for me, the two things I personally look for that I try to avoid stalling my growth. Um, one is self-limiting myself. So one of the things I do to one of your early points is I try to look for things uh, when I work for an organization, in this case San Mateo County, um, where I can be a leader not just in my area, but I challenge myself to, to try to take leadership roles in the bigger organization. Um, and I think that's important for a CIO. I think we, we self-define our roles and um, by not seeking out opportunities to be an overall leader in the organization, to do things that are non-technology leadership roles, um, we can limit ourselves sometimes. And so... Again, I, I, I like to push myself into uh, uncomfortable new things. So this year, for example, uh, one of the things that uh, that I took on was um, a small thing, probably in some people's mind, but a big thing for me was uh, being the leader for the charitable contributions campaign for the entire county. And that's just an example of where historically I wouldn't, as a CIO, think, well, that's got nothing to do with technology or what do you want me to do, create a website. But this is really going out and meeting with the communities, getting events organized, uh, getting people to donate funds to charitable contributions. Um, not typically probably what's historically seen as a public CIO's role, um, but something I've really enjoyed, and it's caused me to grow. Um, there's a technology aspect to it. Of course, I'm always trying to think up new apps or, or how technology can make the process better. But really, it's a chance for me to connect the dots in my organization about public service and uh, partnerships and, and communication and how everyone needs to work together to provide better, better uh, services to the public at all different levels of the public. And then the other thing I, I, I struggle with as a leader that I always have to remind myself of is because I came up um, from an entry-level position through I, when I'm stressed, when things are not going well in my department, 
my natural tendency um, is to dive into the details and micromanage um, because I feel like I have a lot of passion and and feel like I need to get into a project in detail or a service area in detail if, if it's struggling or not doing well and spend a lot of time and a lot of effort um, helping fix that problem. Um, what I've learned and what I've had to recognize in myself is that really has the opposite effect on the organizations I work in. Um, when I dive into the details of my organization, uh, many times uh, my managers feel like I'm undermining them or second-guessing them, not trusting them. And so I really have to push myself to manage the people um, and, and honor the, um, the teams that we try to create and challenge my managers, challenge my supervisors and staff to succeed, to mentor them, to brainstorm with them, but then also to, to challenge them to solve their own problems within their areas so that they feel proud of it, um, that they take ownership for it, uh, that they can ce- celebrate the successes when they finally do overcome those obstacles in, in the different areas. So if you were to go out and try to create some sort of a benchmark as, as an individual, as John Walton, what would those be where you'd say, okay, I met this uh, benchmark or exceeded it, so that's why I should feel satisfied, and I'll say I'll relax a little bit and then move ahead. Uh, so do you set something like that, or, or you would just take it as it comes, and, and you always are just in that mindset where you'll say, I'm going to – try to grow inch by inch, but not have something to pursue as a goal that this is where I need to reach before I'll feel satisfied? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Um, I think interpersonally, I, I tend to push myself all the time into new and different um, challenges because I like to be challenged. I like to feel like um, there's something I thought I couldn't do or something outside my comfort area that I want to try to become um, better at. In terms of setting specific goals, I, I'm of two minds on it because I, I've tried it both ways. Um, early in my career, I set a goal to have a certain position in the organization. And For example, when I got out of college, I wanted to be the GIS coordinator. <laughs> my, my degree was in geography, and my ultimate goal at the time when I got out of college was I want to be the GIS coordinator of some organization. And that was great. It gave me a goal to shoot for. I worked towards it. Um, for me personally, and, and this is more of an interpersonal reflection, I guess, is when I achieved that goal then, it was kind of a letdown period where I went through a period in my career. I was like, well, you know, I've achieved it now. I guess that's it. This is what I'm going to be doing now. Um, and I felt unsatisfied to some degree that I'd achieved that goal and then um, I, I hadn't planned past that goal as to where it was going. So. I do set goals for myself in both my career and my development, but I try not to set it as the end goal. I try to set it as a step, and I think, where do I want to go next? Um, Where do I think I could be more rounded or better and set an incremental goal to get better in that area? But then I try to leave myself open to where that ultimately might go in terms of, you know, where do I want to be when I'm, uh, you know, 40 years into my career? I couldn't say. I haven't set that goal. So if, you, if somebody was to take you up as a mentor or, or a coach, would you have given them that sandbox approach that you're just suggesting that you go try new things and see what growth comes out of it versus pursuing a goal like you did for the GIS coordinator, 
when you started, which one reflecting back in hindsight 2020 would have worked better for you? Uh, and of course, what would you suggest to others who are coming to you for guidance? I think, and, and this is perhaps where technology has changed. Um, I think technology changes so fast now and is, is much more of a, um, multi-talented area to work in than it was perhaps when I started 25 years ago in this field, um, I would suggest more of a sandbox approach to the people I mentor now. And it's usually, actually, the people I do mentor, it's the advice I give them. Um, usually when I start to, to talk to them about where they are in their career and what they're focused on, they tend to be very um, silo or what I consider narrowly focused. So I have managers that I mentor that come to me and say, I want to be a CIO someday. And I say, great, what you need to do, for example, is become more rounded in finances. Um, I noticed, you know, there's a job over here in this department. Uh, they need a fill-in CFO. Have you considered, you know, offering to do that job for them? And they'll say to me things like, well, how does that, how, you know, what's that have to do with being a, a CIO? You know, how would being their CFO for a year help me? And so I, I try to get people to understand um, that in their professional careers, even if they want to be a CIO or if they want to be a lead technologist, it's much more than being the expert, the the sort of guru on the mountain about a single technology that I think is going to lead them to success. And so I try to get them to challenge themselves about um, where they could be more rounded and look outside their normal comfort zones and experiment. And I think that will ultimately make them better leaders. If you are to go out and try to uh, make sure that you are at the top of your own potential and you also have crisis at work, which could perhaps make you do things which would take you back a couple of years or, or try to have you make compromises, would you do that or you'll stick to your guns? I tend to, I tend to be the type to stick to my guns. <laughs> um you know, I I think now, looking back over my career and, um, you know, the times I stuck to my guns and the times that I responded to a crisis, um, crisis mode management, I think, um, it's easy to fall into the trap of everything is a crisis. And um, I'm not saying that there haven't been some real crises in my career where I'm, I probably wouldn't go back in single instances and address it. We had this one instant I'll never forget where uh, I was on vacation and on Christmas Eve, one of my managers called me to tell me that our server cluster had just gone down and they had to get payroll out the next day. I mean, that's crisis mode, right? <laughs> you, don't, you don't have many choices but to, uh, you know, forfeit a, a family Christmas to, to address a crisis. But, um, you know, overall, I think sticking to your guns and, um, you know, trying to move forward is an important thing. I do think you need to be open to adjusting uh, kind of the path you take while you stick to your guns because I think you just can't charge blindly ahead um, like we used to, you know, write a five-year plan and, and damn the torpedoes and go straight ahead no matter what. I think you have to be agile and flexible enough to adapt as you go along. But I do think it's important to keep the big picture in mind and stick to your guns. So on one hand, we always try to identify things which we, if we do or that happen to us, when we go back home after long days of work, we feel satisfied, we feel professionally and personally satisfied that we created value today. What are some of those things which may cause dissatisfaction that I really did not utilize my day to its fullest extent? 
I think, you know, on the days where I simply sit in my office and try to plow through hundreds of emails <laughs> um, are the days where I feel the most dissatisfied. Um, th- those are examples of where um, the administrative or the busy work aspect of my job, um, even though it's, it's a requirement in the sense that you have to do it, you have to grind through sometimes that day-to-day stuff, um, leaves me feeling very unsatisfied. The days I enjoy the most, um, we had a day just yesterday, we were doing the six-month budget check on our budget, and um, four of us sat in an office and got out all the spreadsheets, and we're looking at revenue and cost centers. Um, you know, traditionally, we could all sat in our offices individually and looked at those spreadsheets and come up with our own ideas. What I enjoyed about the day yesterday was the conversations that happened between us when we were struggling through the and being honest with ourselves about, hey, we're making a profit here, we're breaking even there, we're losing our shirts over here. We made some bad decisions, and we all owned it. Uh, there was no finger-pointing. Um, we were very honest with ourselves as leaders about, you know, well, we, we took our best estimate of what we thought it was going to take to do this, and we estimated wrong, and so now we're going to have to fix it. Yesterday was a very satisfying day to me because of that. Um, those are the types of days I enjoy. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at how a leader recognizes that he or she needs a break because we have to become conscious of our subconscious. And if you spend your whole day just plowing through emails, that could also be interpreted as a sign that I'm just plain tired of fighting those battles every day. And, and I subconsciously decided to sit in my office and just chill. And if you're doing it, you are being unproductive and also dissatisfied. So is it not better to really take a step back and say, really, do I need to really work this hard? I'm already doing the right things, but I also deserve a break. So I take that, come back rejuvenated and not having to go through another day where I'm just plain sitting, plowing emails and feel dissatisfied at the end of the day. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore how do we recognize when it's time to take a break. Please stay tuned. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So when do you think, John, a leader can recognize that whatever they are doing is 
actually the result of them weary and tired and and boredom maybe there's not as much boredom in life of a leader but maybe they are just plain tired and they have to take a break and if it is too late they've already caused a lot more damage by plowing through email type of days yeah i think there's the the little break and the big break is what i would say to people um signs for me what uh, i have to be cognizant of is when i uh uh, the example I gave when I when I find myself sitting in my office with my door closed, simply um, you know plowing through six month old emails that for some reason I kept and, and never got around to reading, but now suddenly six months later I'm just making busy work for myself. Um, those are signs that I'm just mentally fatigued. Um, perhaps there's too much going on. I need to step back and uh, gain some perspective on what's important and what I need to focus on. You know, I, then I think I I would say to to, to anyone listening to your show today, you know, I think you also, um, as a leader, have to realize when you're just over-organizationally fatigued. And I know that's a, that's a controversial thing maybe to say, but I think there's a time and a place for every leader in an organization. And the leaders I most respected was knowing when they added value to an organization and knowing uh, when it was time for them to move on, when for whatever reason their their fatigue with the organization had reached the point um, where they weren't adding as much value as they should or being the leader they should be in that organization. And that's a hard thing to do. As a leader, uh, a lot of us have a lot of pride and uh, we'd like to see things through to the end. But you know, I think there's a time and a place for every leader in an organization. And I really admire those people. I was talking to a CIO the other day who had been the CIO for the same organization uh, for over 20, 25 years. And he was, and I was, I was shocked. Because uh, usually my my leadership role in an organization, you know, lasts between, uh, you know, somewhere between four and seven years. And I was asking him, I said, well, how, how do you do that? How do you stay fresh? How do you not get fatigued? And he was walking me through how he has to reinvent himself and re-challenge himself. Um, but for a person like me, and, and I've always been very honest uh, with the organizations I work for, I find my value as a leader when I find myself becoming organizationally fatigued. Um, I would rather step aside and acknowledge when uh, I perhaps feel f- too fatigued or I need a new challenge and let then some new leader come in and breathe new life into an organization. And so I think we all as leaders have to be honest with ourselves about it. Are we willing to make that commitment to reinvent ourselves, to rejuvenate ourselves as leaders within the organization, or is it time for us to move aside and let a new leader come in? So let's look at the scenario where a typical leader who would take pride in having the required experience to get the job done, mentor others, and even just because of their pure confidence, be be able to take some of the situations head on. Now, all of that as a fundamental foundation is shaken because of the new normal. You got businesses changing the way they could do business, not they wanted to, because the consumption patterns are changing, the way we exchange information changing, the way we uh, try to consume anything that is changing. Fundamentally, there is a shift. So essentially, the foundation is shaken for a leader to call themselves as a leader or an experienced leader. So are you like a kid today where you are trying to Say that you are a leader and people are expecting something out of you, but you do not know where to go because you don't have any training in this new environment? Yeah, I think um, for me at least, uh, one of the big changes in being a a CIO, a technology leader, so to speak, was early in my career when I became a deputy CIO and and I was 
moving towards what I wanted to be as a leader. I think I had this perception that my job was to be the smartest and to have all the answers. And I was afraid to say I didn't know, or um, I was afraid to really, as as a leader, be open to collaboration in the sense that I thought my role was to tell people a lot of things, to, to tell them how it was, to tell them the technology we were going to use, to tell them exactly, um, to your point, how the business was going to be successful. And I think that's one of the transformations for me as a leader was realizing um, that my role was changing and was going to have to change in the new normal to be a an enabler of other people's success um, and, and to allow them and to admit that um, perhaps they knew more or better about how to use technology to be successful in their business and realize that uh, there was going to be more and more times that my role was to listen as actively as possible and then think about how uh, my organization or myself as a technology leader could make them more successful in their idea with the things that they controlled and to not um, always strive to give direction or to control everything that looked like technology or um, try to dictate to the the last bite um, how things were going to be done from a technological standpoint, but really to to create the opportunity for other people to succeed. Okay, uh, three words, top three words that come to your mind, only three words, which will allow a leader to maximize their potential every day. Uh, communicate, inspire, and honesty. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, John, for sharing your thoughts on what could be a great day in the life of a leader. Thank you very much. It was great to be on the show. Thank you so much again. Please like us, listeners, on Facebook. Search for CIO Talk Radio and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid.